The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. You know all about the deadlines and stress and people shouting around you and push, push, push. And I find a way to deal with it. And I created a, a, a room in my head where I could tell myself a story. So when 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 everything went too busy, too much, I start telling myself a story. And I didn't know to begin with that it will turn out to be my first Louise Rick novel. And that is totally honest. It, it, it's not something I say now when I'm writing on book number 12. It was like just a place, just a free space in my head where I could, I could enjoy a story. And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance for usual. Internationally best-selling and award-winning Danish novelist Sarah Bladel spoke to me about overcoming a learning disorder, how to write Nordic noir, and her latest novel, A Harmless Lie. Sarah's been dubbed Denmark's queen of crime and is the author of the globally best-selling Detective Louise Rick series. Over 3 million copies of Bladel's books have sold in Denmark alone, and the author's published in 38 countries. Her most recent hit and 10th in the Louise Rick series is a harmless lie. Described as a darkly atmospheric thriller, A.J. Finn, number one New York Times bestselling author, said of the book, Bladel writes novels as twisty as spirals and electric with intelligence. A harmless lie is a labyrinth of a mystery, dense and dangerous. In 2014, Sarah was voted Denmark's most popular novelist for the fifth time. She's also a recipient of the Golden Laurel, Denmark's most prestigious literary award. In this file, Sarah and I discussed why reading young adult mysteries were her getaway and gateway, how the pressures and deadlines of journalism inform her work, inviting new readers into a long-running series, why creativity and eccentricity aren't productive to the writer's life, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on, and don't forget you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, or you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published, and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. 
All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am very honored today to be joined by award-winning crime writer, crime novelist, and internationally best-selling author, Sarah Bladel is joining us. I believe that you are overseas, are you not? I'm actually in the middle of Copenhagen, yes, in Denmark. So it's a, it's a little bit later in the day there for you. Yeah, it's afternoon now. So yes, I'm I'm fresh. <laughs> you're you're fresh and ready to go. Does it feel like um, the, the, the on the day of the publication of your novel here in the United States? Does it feel like um, the publicity piece is going smoothly for you? It's going so very well. Yes, thank you so much. And it's a huge day. It's it's a wonderful day for me because I've been waiting. Uh, for have this uh, harmless lie out in the U.S. because I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the story and I'm so excited. I've moved to a new publishing house uh, with my wonderful editor. She's been my editor for years now, but she moved to a new publishing house and I've moved with her. Uh, so it's our first book out there together. So it, it means a lot to me that it's going well. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on the work. Thank you. Thank of you. course, and all the successes that you've had thus far as a late, as a runaway uh, number one Danish bestseller, a harmless lie. Um, yeah, so I want to talk about the latest. Um, I believe it's the tenth in the ser- in the Louise Rick series, um, and you can talk about that. But t- take us back a little bit, as we do with with authors on the show, to kind of you know how this fantastic writing career uh, came about. Because I understand you know you come from a, a long line of uh, award-winning journalists. And um, your dad was actually um, a journo as well. And so, yeah, take us back to kind of prior to this uh, award-winning, uh, best-selling, internationally best-selling series. But it's very easy for me to do that because I can tell you and be totally honest about it, that it was never, ever my plan to become a writer. Never, mm-hmm. ever. And you're right, my uh, I have a long history. My my father was a well-known journalist, my grandfather, and so on. So uh, everyone around me have been writing all the time for, for a living. But actually, the fact is that I, I ha- have dyslexia. So writing for yeah. me is not a dream work. It wasn't. I mean, it is now. But but uh, as, a young, as a young child uh, in school, you know, the feeling of being picked out to be the next to read out loud. It, mm. I, it, it was so terrible for me, so I hated it. And even that I, I was very into uh, uh, practice and I did a lot of things because it makes me, of course, so nervous to, to read out loud at that point. So, so reading and writing wasn't my thing. But my, my parents, and maybe when I look back now, maybe it was just a clever move. Uh, they they um, <laughs> they hooked me up with the uh, mysteries for children, children's books, mystery. Uh, for example, Einid um, Blyton's The Famous Five, or you have Nancy Drew. Or, I mean, all hmm. these kind of stories that makes a, a child curious. And I could see myself in these stories. I was one of them solving things. So it was kind of a motor and a very huge motivation for me to start reading uh, because they have to solve things. Uh, so my love for books came as a child with mysteries. But yeah. at that point, I mean, I've never been dreaming of uh, of uh, writing my own books. Um, I, I started my own publishing house in 
93, so it's a long time ago, uh, publishing crime fiction because crime fiction have always been my genre, if you can say so. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea for me was that other people were writing the stories. So, so it, 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 it was never a dream that I, I wanted to become a writer myself, but I've been working as a journalist and, and I, uh, I was working on a television show and, you know, all about the deadlines and stress and people shouting around you and push, push, push. And I find a way to deal with it. And I created a, a, a room in my head where I could tell myself a story. So when, when, when everything went too busy or too much, I start telling myself a story. And I didn't know to begin with that it will turn out to be my first Louise Rick novel. And that is totally honest. It, it, it's not something I say now when I'm writing on book number 12. It was like just a place, just a free space in my head where I could, I could enjoy a story. But then I, I, I was so curious about the story so, uh, so I start, I mean, start doing a bit of research. Could this happen? It was about a journalist in Copenhagen who was killed. It was not very ordinary, but it was my way into it. And at some point I was so curious. So I start writing and I met in my head, Louise Rick very early in that progress. I could, I could see her very clearly. So, so I feel that it was the story who found me and not me decided to become a writer. Hmm. And um, and the, the thing with the dyslexia is still a thing. I mean, of course, now I've been reading and writing so much. So I have an easier way to deal with it. And, and I'm not that... I'm not that very dyslexic, so I do not have anything. I mean, I do not have support to write, or I, I'm just I'm just having a good editor to hmm. to pick up my sp- <laughs> my misspelling. Um, but but that was my way, and I feel that the story found me, and I was so curious, and I really want want to to see what what I could bring on the paper with it. Amazing! It's an amazing story. So the kind of the pressure created this diamond and uh as you say the story found you and it's it's uh yeah it's become a kind of a a a runaway hit of course this series um you've sold millions of copies of books in i guess 38 countries now and um the latest the harmless lie has been called a new entry point into this series talk a little bit about kind of inviting new readers into the fold and how you do that after, you know, in a, in a well-known and established series like um, this one with a book like this and kind of the premise behind it. But um, but I started with, um, for the first six books, my protagonist, Louise Rick, she was uh, working at the homicide department in Copenhagen here in Denmark. And, um, and I feel that that was my way into it because I was so curious about the police's work and the investigation and solving a murder crime or whatever it could be. I mean, that was my, that was my motivation to, to dig into this and my drive to, to write these books. But then I got more and more curious about the psychological things in, in people. Uh, so I created, I created, um, three books where she was leading the missing persons the missing persons department in Copenhagen mm-hmm. because then I could go out of Copenhagen I mean I could I could use her in in not just uh, 
not just murder cases, but but the curiosity behind people went missing. I mean, it it's always very fascinating. I I feel it's very fascinating because someone is deciding why why do they want to leave, and absolutely um, not all of them decide themselves they disappear because of a crime. But I after. Book number nine, I put Louise Rick aside. I've placed her on a wonderful beach in Mexico with a wonderful man and her, uh, her foster kid. So, I mean, I placed her in a very nice situation because I wanted to write a trilogy that goes on in the U.S., actually. Um, and I didn't know for sure if I want to pick Louise Rick up again. It it depended a lot about the story I could come up with. I mean, it wasn't... I've just at that time won the the most prestigious award in Denmark called the Golden Laurel. And it was my publisher did not agree that it was the time to put her aside. Let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. He, he, he thought it was great if I just continue. But I had another story coming up in my head that makes me curious. And I need to go with these stories that makes me curious or want me to dig into this new setting. But uh, at the end of the trilogy, I was living in New York at that time. Uh, at the end of the trilogy, it hit me why and how I should bring back Louise Rick. And not just because I felt that I own my my readers to do it or my publisher or whoever, but because I've been writing about relations and situations where I mean, we all make choices and the choice that we made for life can have an impact on other people's life. So I've been, the, the suspense in my trilogy is very much between people and, and and related to the choices that we made. And at that point, it I, I wanted to bring Louise Rick into my story just being a normal person. I mean, just just as a private person, not a not a police detective. I want mm-hmm. to to see her in that perspective where she's just a human being. I mean, not not a professional uh, angle on her life because that was a new situation for her and for me. And that's also the reason that uh, a harmless lie is a is a is a great place to start if if people do not know my series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it brings the the story closer to her. Yeah. kind of uh, family and of course um congratulations on the work the um book has been called uh masterful of course and and uh, i thought this blurb from aj finn um was nice sarah bladel writes novels as twisty as spirals and electric with intelligence a harmless lies a labyrinth of a mystery dense and dangerous Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, 
and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Talk a little bit about kind of some of the research process that goes into these ornate and intricate, you know, kind of some of this knife edge suspense piece, but also your relationship on a professional level with, um, you know, as you put it, you kind of follow your interests, but you've also had a pretty uh, extensive research process that involved kind of Denmark's equivalent of like the FBI here in the United Mm -hmm. States, or, you know, as you said it, um, you know, you kind of have kind of moved through these different periods, but yeah, talk a little bit about your relationships and the research process. Um, For me, I think that's because of my background as a journalist. It's very, the research is very important and it's actually, I never use my research to prove to my readers that I'm a good researcher. I mean, I do not need details to prove that I can get details, that I'm able to open doors and get these kind of details. It's not my thing. I do it because I want I want this story to be as close as it can come to real life. I want to set as I, I want to create a setting where professionals, for example, the the police uh, will know that I I'm on top of my work. I know what I'm writing about. I know what I'm doing, because that will that will mix the skill between fiction and research. So my readers do not know exactly what is what is the research or what is actually just made up in Sarah's head, what is fact and what is just my imagination. And that's because I, I feel it's, if, if, if people who work, for example, at the Forensic Institute can see that I do not get the details right, then I drop the rest of the story on the, on the floor. I mean, then, then, any, then anything in the story will be really they will say, okay, if she if she don't know what she's doing here, then the rest of it is, is not good, good enough. So the research is to loop my readers into thinking that all of it is right. Uh, mm. it's, it's kind of cheating, I think, because as a journalist, I know that was what I could come up with. I can, I can call people. I can make them tell me things about the work and how they do it. I can open doors because... I'm curious and because I really wanted to get it right. And a lot of professional people, of course, they want to, they want the authors to, 
to write about the work in in a right way, not just come up with things. So I feel that it, it's very, very helpful to do research. And I've I've pretty very good access around um, with the police and and um, crime scene investigators and forensic institute. But also if there are details about things that is not related to the police work, I find it interesting because the worst thing for me will be if people out there saying, but she don't know what she's talking about. She don't know anything about it. So the rest of it is, is not worth spending time on reading. That would be a bad thing for me. Well, it comes through in the work, obviously, the uh, the dedication to the craft, and it's been called a master class in Scandinavian noir. Talk a little bit about some of your colleagues, Scandina- you know, in particular in Scandinavian noir, having had such a storied background and kind of um, studying your um, contemporaries. Talk a little bit about what that means, being, you know, having been kind of placed at the top of the uh of that pyramid <laughs> i i don't I, I don't don't see it myself like that but i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very pleased that you say that thank you you're, you're humble <laughs> thank you no, I don't know, but thank you but i think yeah this the thing about scandinavian crime or nordic noir is going back in a traditional we're going back to Shuvalavalu in the 70s and we have stories about Martin Beck and I mean we we have very strong uh, also stories with a social um twist I mean strong opinions about things going on in real life or political lives and so mm. so there is a tradition for for doing these kind of stories where the the main characters or protagonist is a human being beside being a police detective or whatever, and so so I, I think I got a lot of um, <laughs> I got a lot from from the the earlier the earlier Scandinavian writers, uh, but of course I think having a success in Scandinavia, for example, Stieg Larsson. Mm. Or it could be someone earlier than Stilas and having huge uh, Joe Nesbro, having these master successes. It is instead of being jealous and then thinking, whoa, why, why isn't it me? We should be so grateful because it puts spots on the rest of the Scandinavian writers. It's like having a brilliant tennis player. It makes a lot of children want to play tennis. So success at one point um, is dragging other people into the crowd at what they they want to say, oh, I want to do the same, maybe not exactly the same, but I'm inspired to start writing. So I Mm -hmm. think having these huge uh, Scandinavian successes have point the finger at other Scandinavian authors, and that's been extremely helpful for the rest of us. Yeah, so um, talk about kind of a little bit about your process and, and having honed these skills despite overcoming um, the odds, you know, and struggling with kind of a, a, a learning disability. Talk now about, you know, kind of being at the top of your game. What is a, what is a prolific period look like for you? Are you a morning writer? Are you an evening writer? How are you, you know, spending your days 
and how are you uh, successfully then getting words onto the page? I, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love to think of myself being kind of very creative when I write, but that is absolutely not true. I would love to. I would love to see myself, you know, in my. I have a summer house, uh, a country house uh, up north of Copenhagen, an hour drive north of Copenhagen. It's it's located very uh, directly out to the sea, so it's beautiful, beautiful, and perfectly placed to write. And I would love to see myself being a kind of little bit eccentric with a big head and. And a cigarette and a glass of red wine, riding all night and be totally <laughs> inspired. I would love to say that, but it couldn't be more wrong. I'm, I'm so traditional, <laughs> but, but I, I start my day with a, with a long walk, not just to be clever and think about what I'm going to write, just to get myself started. And um, and then I sit down around around ten and start writing, and then I. Uh, I write until around three in the afternoon, maybe four. And that is pretty much it. And some days it's it went very smooth and I'm super happy at the end of the day. Other days, I mean, I've been writing maybe one, one page in all these hours. Uh, but the thing is to be there and to sit there. And I, I've learned over the years that it's it's very, very, very important for me to create space around the period where I'm writing. Um, and I'm not doing a lot of other things when I'm in that process because I cannot do, I cannot travel. Now COVID, of course, have, have brought us in a different situation because I'm not doing, I haven't been doing book tours over the past mm. two years. But but I'm not touring at the same time as I'm writing. And that can be a little bit difficult um I mean, to, to keep time for the writing because it's so flattering to be invited to book uh, book events here and there and everywhere uh, yeah. in foreign countries. But the most important for me is to block my calendar for three or four months. And in that period, I'm writing the first draft of my book. Um, it does not mean that it starts there because it starts early. It starts with doing research and I'm plotting out my book. I'm one of the one of the writers who's plotting out the book. I know it's very diff, uh, different if you do that or, or don't do that, but I like to do it. So I'm spending uh, time plotting out, not super detailed, but 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 the whole book out, um, and all these small cards with the story is spread out my, over my uh, dining table, so I know where I'm where I'm going so I know what I'm what I'm writing about and then I just sit there and I'm not I'm not a good uh, friend to my friends because it's not every day that I want to to hang out after I'm writing I mean <laughs> it's I'm 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 a, I'm a I'm a very boring Sarah in that period I will say but but I'm also having a lot of fun I mean that is my favorite place to be um hmm. yeah but sometimes cool. when my when my son was younger he, he's 24 now so he's not living with me anymore but uh, some day, some of the days after of, of writing uh, after i've been upstairs writing when i come down he just needed one look at me and say oh mom did you kill someone today <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so awesome. yes i did i did <laughs> 
Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not very it's, cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very yeah, fun. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, um, again, congratulations on the work. I will, of course, point at uh, your home base there. We'll put that in the show notes, sarahbladel.dk. Um, of course, um, your Twitter, Instagram. And um, yeah, uh, so on the birthday of your latest, uh, Harmless Lie, um, how are you feeling about everything? Do you think... Um, I, I read that recently you, you had an option for a TV uh, series here in the U.S. Yes. Yeah, I have. With That's a, exciting. It's so so exciting. And it's with the brilliant uh, Brun studio. So I'm very, very happy about it. And, uh, and the show is uh, supposed to be set in, in Denmark. But right now it's a little bit difficult because of all the streaming success it's very, very hard to find writers to to yeah to put a, put my books into to the television show. So we mm. have a, a full lineup of brilliant people who have, who will love to work with it. And I, I mean, everything is said and done, but we do not have anyone who can write it. And I'm I'm not able to to write for 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 a television show. I mean, it's it's totally different. I'm it needed new eyes to to convert it over to to a television show. But hopefully yeah. it will they will succeed. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that 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 the streaming model has kind of yeah. hoovered up all of the good writers. It has. And my you know, my assumption is that you of course you need to find the right type of writer for this uh project because it can't just be you know, you can't just throw like a comedy writer in no. there. <laughs> I, and I I'm I mean you also know that, but but it's so important who it is. So and for me I've been here for so long now, so it's not super uh, important for me that my books is turned into TV show, only if it's made by the right people, only yeah. if it's made the right way. And I'm not the one to judge, but I mean, it. I'm not, I'm not super excited if it's not the right people, then I'd better be off. Then it's, it's better to say, oh, no, no, thank you. Hmm. But we have some very, very brilliant um, writers for, for TV show here in Denmark. So I hope it will right. be will be possible at some point. Well, fingers crossed when we're yes. knocking on wood over here. Well, uh, before we wrap up here with your advice to your fellow scribes on just how to persevere 
Um, I wanted to ask you a fun one. If you could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite restaurant in the world, all expenses paid, who would you take and where would you take them? I already had that dinner. Actually, <laughs> I already Let's had that it. dinner. Let's hear about I, it. <laughs> I, I, I was uh, invited as a guest of honor to a previous BoucherCon um, in Florida. Uh, no, it must be three years ago. Uh, and I was invited. I, I'm a huge Michael Connolly fan. I'm mm. a huge Karen Slaughter fan. And I know these people for many years now and... and I, I'm so, yeah, it's so wonderful that I can call them my friends. But one of the evenings we went out for a dinner um, uh, during Bauchikon with Karen Slaughter, Lisa Unger, Elifer Burke, Lee Child, Mark Billingham, Michael Connolly. What else do you need? <laughs> so I already <laughs> had so it. Cool. I already had it. But I, I'm ready. And, and, and Kate White also. So I'm, but I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, uh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, Michael Connolly obviously is a fan of a fan of your work as well. Um, he's had nothing but good things to say about uh, the series and congratulations on the latest. Uh, we'll just mention one more time, A Harmless Lie from Den Denmark's Queen of Crime. A woman is haunted by a heart-wrenching decision she made as a teenager in this darkly atmospheric, deeply emotional thriller Number one internationally best-selling global superstar, Sarah Bladel. <laughs> Thank you so much. So quick, a quick pearl before you jump off here. I know you got to go on just how to keep going. Your advice. Yes. Write for your own sake to begin with. I mean, make it fun to be a writer because otherwise it is such a long ride. So that is the only thing that's very, very important. Do it because you love it. Some people come up to me and say, how do I write a best a best-selling novel? Don't do it. And I start to say, because if that is if that is the goal, then don't go there. But if you do it because it's so much fun to walk into a story, to be curious and to see how it all turns out when it comes to paper, then just enjoy the ride. I love it. Sarah, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Congratulations. And uh, do come back and speak with us again in the future. Really a pleasure. Thank you so much for being so extremely kind to me. <laughs> of course. You're amazing. We wish you the best and uh, we'll you. be in touch soon. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. Oh, mom, did you kill someone today? <laughs> Again. Again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.